0: Nazy Media. Hadija. Me and Tanya had been together every day since we had sex. It was about four days after me and Tanya had sex, that I paged Hadija and told her I needed to see her. Tanya was at drill team practice. She was going to be there for at least two or three hours. This was the perfect time to talk to Hadija without Tanya being suspicious of anything. Hadija scooped me up on 9th and Lehigh Avenue. She had a new car. A truck this time. A brand new white Nissan Pathfinder. That joint was fully kitted, had the hammer rims on it, and it had a banging-ass sound system. Hadija's car was better than most of the male drug dealers in the neighborhood. I gave her a kiss as soon as I got into her truck. As we drove down the street with the music blasting, I wondered when the right time would be to ask Hadija what I wanted to ask her. How the fuck was I supposed to ask this girl if she could get somebody killed for me? And what was I supposed to say if she asked me why I wanted someone killed? because he did something to my girlfriend? She it. Hadija would probably have her hitman kill my dumbass if I said some shit like that. I wasn't paying attention to much of anything, until Hadija made a sudden right turn down one of those little ass blocks right near American and Cumberland streets. She parked the whip and looked at me, directly into my eyes, but it felt like she was looking into my soul. Shit was kind of scary. Especially considering what I now knew about Hadija. Come on. I want to show you something. I got out of the car and followed Hadija. She led me to the front of what appeared to be an abandoned building. Hadija banged on the door two times and then knocked three more times, a lot more lightly than the first time. A tall bald-headed guy, who appeared to be at least 6'7 and a solid 250-265 pounds. Dude looked like a cold killer when he opened the door. The second he saw that it was Hadija standing there he bowed his head like he was a servant or some shit. Hadija stepped into the building without even greeting dude. I followed closely behind, as she made a left turn and started heading up a flight of stairs. When we got to the stairs Hadijah opened a door and stepped inside. The second she opened the door, I could hear the sound of voices talking and laughing. As I stepped into the room, I could see the voices were those of three grown men, and two dudes who looked to be in their late teens. Everybody shut up when Hadija entered the room. She turned her attention to one of the older guys, who I would guess was somewhere in his early to mid-thirties. Where is he? Hadija asked. The guy nodded his head before he began walking toward the back of the huge room. Hadija followed, and I followed her. We walked into a smaller room, where two guys who looked to be in their early 20s awaited Hadija's arrival. Hadija told me to wait right there, while she walked over and talked to the two guys. I couldn't see what she was saying but, Hadija didn't look happy at all. Hadija seemed to calm down as the man continued talking to her. When he passed her a black book bag, Hadija looked inside before she passed it to her henchman. The same one who had led us into this room. Hadija was now smiling like she was having the best day of her life. She smiled as she walked back towards me. Remember you were saying you wanted to make some money in this game? You still feel that way? I don't know what made Hadija change her mind, but I was happy. Hadija wanted me to organize and oversee a drug spot around my way. Anywhere I wanted. You know where I picked? Darien and Lehigh Avenue right where Ice and his crew hustled at. This was going to be perfect. They were guaranteed to fight for that gold mine they called a drug spot. Hadija would have to call in the reinforcements once Ice and his crew made a move on us. Ice was going to get taken care of, bitch-ass Skeeter and his boys would be getting theirs pretty soon too, and I was about to be something like a boss. Hadija wasn't the only person who was having a great day. Everything was feeling perfect as I was telling the squad mine, and Hadija's plans. Well, my plan, but I had Hadija Blanco's blessing, we were going to take over Darian and Lehigh, without firing off one shot. Everything was good up until I told everyone to back down if they get approached by Ice or any of his crew while they were out there hustling. Hadija gave me some weed that she called Crinkle, she said she got it from Arizona, and that nobody on the entire East Coast had weed this good. Ice and his crew sold crack. We wouldn't even be any type of competition to one another. A very different clientele of customers. But, all that didn't mean shit. We were going to step on their territory and sell our product. That shit was basically a declaration of war on any corner in the city. I knew that shit too. I didn't plan on anyone getting hurt. Let me rephrase that I didn't plan on anyone in my squad getting hurt. Feel me? I was just thinking about getting ICE taken up out of here, honestly. Everyone was somewhat skeptical about not putting up any resistance when approached, but practically everyone agreed to go along with the plan. Apple was the only one to vote against the plan, of course she still carried the gun she shot Tanya with. But now, she had plenty of bullets, and was itching to catch a body. To Apple, this was the perfect opportunity for her to get her first kill. We all knew Ice and his crew were going to step to us the moment they saw us setting up shop on their block. Apple said if she went anywhere, her gun was going with her. I told Apple we didn't need her services on this go-around. I was going to bring Apple in later. I just wasn't going to let her and that raggedy as gun fuck up my money again. This mission was 100 percent about finesse. No violence was needed to get things done. I thought leaving Apple behind would take all threat of anything going sideways out of the equation. I was wrong. As usual, me, J. B. Damone Jr. Jr. and Dog headed over to Darien and Lehigh to set up shop at around 4:30 p.m. We set up directly across the street from ISIS workers and let everyone in the vicinity know that we had weed out. Almost immediately afterward, one of the workers stepped off. There was no doubt in my mind that he was going to find one of his managers, and ask him what they should do. I already knew the manager for this shift was Ice. And just like I thought, the worker who'd stepped off seconds before, came back with Ice in tow. Ice walked directly up to me. "The fuck is this shit? Y'all niggas gotta get the fuck out of here. Y'all weird ass niggas know you can't post up out here. I was kind of surprised that Ice was being this bold. Ice was anything but a tough guy. I wondered what was giving him this sudden burst of courage. I didn't have much time to wonder, because the next thing I knew, I heard what sounded like a loud slap. I knew it wasn't a slap I heard. Nah, this was the sound you heard when someone got sucker punched. As I looked to my left, I could see what had happened. As soon as ice got finished talking his shit, JB stole on one of the workers, and was quickly moving in on ice. This definitely wasn't the plan, but fuck it, when it's on, it's on. A small free-for-all broke out between us and ICE's crew. The numbers were even when we started, but we were on their block. It seemed like people started coming out of the woodworks to join in on the brawl. None of those woodwork motherfuckers were on our side either. We were outnumbered in a matter of seconds, but we held our ground and gave as good as we were getting. In the middle of the commotion, I spotted RDRR. He got sucker punched from behind. Next thing you knew, RDRR was brandishing steel. I recognized that raggedy ass gun right away. It was Apple's piece of shit gun. I thought leaving Apple behind would mean leaving that piece of shit gun behind. I was wrong. Everyone seemed to stop when RDRR pulled out that old ass Roscoe. He pointed that bitch directly at a group of ISIS squad members. Including the bull who had snuck him. RDRR pulled the trigger, that bitch said click, but nothing came flying out of the gun's barrel. That piece of shit misfired. And the next time RD pulled the trigger on that piece of shit, it was probably going to backfire and blow half of RDRR's hand off. We never got a chance to find out. Bitch ass Ice had whipped his joint out in a heartbeat. A fucking Uzi. Where the fuck did this weird nigga get a fucking Uzi from? Ice ain't pulled that bitch out for show either. One second after I saw the gun in Ice's hand, I heard the sound of the Uzi machine spitting. Shade, it was time to abort this damn mission. We hauled ass up the block. Trying to escape the darts of death ice was raining down on our asses from his Model B fully automatic Uzi. I wish I could tell you that no one got hit by gunfire and we all laughed about the whole incident later on. That happened before, but this was not one of those Johns. This was no laughing matter. Uzi spit multiple rounds in seconds. A few of those rounds found their way to my body. 6 of them, to be exact. Clearly, I'm still alive. I have to be in order to be telling you what happened next. Duh. Anyway, I was the only one hit by gunfire that evening. That was pretty fortunate, with all things considered. I mean, nobody would have even been there if it weren't for me. If anyone got hurt, it happened to the right person, and I explained this to each of my squad members when they visited me in the hospital. But, I didn't have that conversation with my friends for about two weeks, after the night I got shot. I was finally stabilized enough to have visitors, and more importantly, get to my own room with my own television. The prior two weeks had been mostly operations. My current temporary residence was in the intensive care unit of Albert Einstein Hospital. They were operating on me from the moment I got to the hospital, so I've heard. All I really remembered was feeling a sharp pain in my back. The next thing I remembered was waking up in my hospital bed. The squad were my first visitors. Of course, my family was there. Those were the first people I saw when I woke up. Three days after being released from the intensive care unit and transferred to a regular room, Hadija came to see me. She had that same dude with her. The one who stayed so close by her side like a bodyguard, when we were at the warehouse that day. Tears began rolling down her eyes as she approached me and bent down to give me a hug. Aw shit. I almost yelled. My entire body felt like it was on fire at the moment. Hadija grabbed me so tight that it felt like I was going to crumble into small pieces or some shit. She put her hand over her mouth and took a step back. I'm so sorry. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. I said, faking like I was in more pain than I really was. They had me hooked up on all types of morphine and other painkillers. I was floating on cloud nine to be completely honest. Hadija's tears and sorrow quickly changed to what I recognized to be anger on her face. Who shot you? Huh? I tried to act like her question was something I wasn't expecting. I was totally expecting her to ask who shot me. It was this nigga named Ice. They tried to run us up off the spot, almost as soon as we stepped out that joint. Hadija didn't say anything. The expression on her face never changed either. I honestly couldn't tell if she was mad I'd been shot, or mad about something else, if we're being completely honest. I continued though. Niggas was jealous. As soon as we stepped out there and gave out a few testers, people started coming back. That's why them niggas was so mad. Hadija still didn't say anything. She just nodded. That shit was making me mad uncomfortable, because I had no idea what was going on inside of Hadija's head. After what seemed like forever, Hadija finally spoke. Try to get some rest babe. I'll be back to see you tomorrow afternoon. Hadija kissed me on the forehead, before she began acting like she owned this hospital room. Hadija decorated my room with balloons and get well cards she got downstairs from the gift shop. After she was certain that she had arranged things the way she wanted them, Hadija walked over to me and placed a kiss on my lips. Then, just as suddenly as she had appeared, Hadija and her hitman were gone. By the time I was able to come home from the hospital and do my rehab at home, school was already in full swing. Hadija and her peoples ended up taking Darian and Lehi from ICE and his people. I heard a few of them jokers got killed in the two-day war for territory. I didn't hear anything about ICE though. There was a rumor going around that ICE moved down Atlanta, with his scary ass. Since I was out of commission at the moment, I handed my job of running the corner to Enrique. All of us called him Riquet. I picked Riquet over everyone else, because he had a little prior experience in this shit. To most people, Riquet appeared to be as African American as the rest of us. But, he wasn't. Riquet was a Colombian, from Colombia. The real Colombia. Eleven year olds walking around with rifles fighting grown man wars, Colombian. Yeah, my boy Riquet was really about that life. Rike was a little older than the rest of us though. He was about to turn 17 in a few months. Rike had been dabbling in the family business for years. Rike did mostly mummy work for the family. Meaning, work that wasn't important or the type of shit that the family would have flunkies or some shit do for them. Rike's people's were eating. They were big time. But that shit didn't matter to Rike. He wanted to be big time, not be one of the peons at the very bottom of the totem pole of a big time thing. Feel me? So, it wasn't too hard to talk Rikay into running a corner. It's exactly what he believed he was born to do. While I was out of commission, my mom allowed Tanya to come visit me in my bedroom, where I spent most of my time now. My joint was on the third floor. Mom's was posted on the first floor in front of the TV, or cooking most of the time. Needless to say, me and Tanya took full advantage of the opportunity. We were like two horny ass rabbits every time we got around each other now. Shit was kinda dope, I must admit. Tanya was at my crib every day. From the time she got home from school, all the way up until her 10.30pm curfew. Tanya used to wait until 10.29 to leave my house. She always made curfew because she only lived three doors down. Me and Tanya were growing into something, I considered beautiful. Our connection was a lot physical, but there was a heavy, heavy mental element to our shit. It was already too complicated to explain, even at that early point. While me and Tanya were playing house, Hadija was keeping tabs on her property. Me. Unbeknownst to me, Hadija had one of her henchmen posted up in the abandoned house across the street from mine. His job? Watch my house, and report back to Hadija the names and descriptions of anyone who visited me at my house. Lele. About a month after coming home from the hospital, Lele came to see me. You talk about surprised. I was beyond shocked. I thought Lele had forgot all about me. I was almost back to normal. The doctors, and especially my mom were just being extra cautious, in my opinion. I still spent most of my time in my room. But, I had low-key started doing light workouts and whatnot. I was hoping to go to high school for the first time next week. Everyone else was a month and some change, Dugan at high school already. I couldn't wait to catch up. My mom's worked the 7am to 3pm shift at the hospital. This was not a secret to anyone who knew me. I played hooky right at home on multiple school days a week sometimes. I heard a knock at my front door about 10 AM. I had the crib all to myself. I was laying on the couch chillin' and watching the prices right. Instead of getting up off the couch, I yelled. Who is it? From my seat on the couch. Nobody said anything. Whoever it was, just started knocking again, instead of verbally answering my inquiry. I was pissed. I was comfortable as could be and I knew it was going to be hell to get back into this perfect position, once I got up. I begrudgingly got up off the couch and walked the few steps to the front door. To my surprise, Lele was standing there smiling at me. You want some company? I was always physically attracted to Lele. From the very first time I saw her. Did I ever think I would find myself alone with her in my house? Hell no. If there was one thing that I've always absolutely despised about Lele, it's that I never knew what was on her mind. I'm not even sure that she knew what was on her mind most of the time. Lele wasn't a weirdo, but she was kind of a space cadet, in my opinion. That was any other time I saw her. Today was different. Lele seemed to have a purpose. A goal, if you will. Me and Lele started off watching TV downstairs in the living room. After about 15 minutes, she asked me to take her upstairs so she could see what my room looked like. Yeah right. She knew what the hell she was doing. Once we got in my room, Lele kind of took control. I don't mean to interrupt the story, but let me say this. Do you know how you've done the same thing with many different people, but the way one person does it always stands out from the other? Hugs. Freakin' hugs. Weird right? That was Lele's thing. Not sexual hugging, but just hugging. Whenever Lele put her arms around me, it always felt like this was exactly where I belonged. That has always been one of the things I will always remember about Lele. Her hugs. Anyway, On this day, hugging quickly turned into light kissing. Light kissing quickly turned into heavy kissing. Heavy kissing led to what seemed like hours of fully clothed foreplay. Eventually, I had to put a stop to this shit. Not a stop, but it was time to see if this was going anywhere, or was I about to have another bad case of le blue ones? Blue balls for you squares. I reached inside of Lele's shirt as we kissed and fumbled around looking for a strap on her bra. She ain't stopped me. Sis helped my nervous ass. The foreplay turned up a notch once she took that shirt off. More clothes began slowly disappearing as we passionately kissed. The next thing I knew, I was inside of Lele. Not even halfway though. Lele instantly moaned as she hugged my neck tighter. Lele would not allow me to go any deeper than halfway. Every time I tried, she pushed on my chest, or patted me on the back. Don't get me wrong, the sex was fantastic the way we were doing it, but I wanted to hit the back of Lele's walls for some reason. I don't know why but I really wanted to huff and puff and, anyway, I shot my shot, if you will. When me and Lele began really getting in motion, and our rhythms began to synchronize, I went for it. Like three or four deep, deep pumps, back to back. I went inside of that tunnel of love as deep as that motherfucking tunnel of love would allow. You heard? I only weighed about 93 pounds, soak and wet. Lele was a little bigger than me. Most likely because you had to add titties and ass into the equation. But anyway. Lele pushed me up out of, and off of her like I was a piece of paper. She jumped up out of the bed and covered her breast and mouth as she stared at me like she had seen a ghost, or some shit. I just sat there wondering what the hell I'd done wrong. I always knew I would do sex wrong at some point in my life. And, here it was. Congrat you motherfucking Lations dickhead. Lele grabbed her clothes from the floor before she turned around and ran out of my room. She was in the bathroom all of 90 seconds, before she left there and hauled ass out of the house. I just shook my head as I watched the weird ass scene play out right before my eyes. Lele never said a freaking word as she darted through the crib like the tomb raider, and eventually, the front door. Some really weird shit, fam. To this day, that shit still ranks in the top 10 weirdest things I've ever been a part of in my life. But wait. The shit gets even weirder. By the time I get to the front door, Lele is halfway up the block. Her and someone else are standing there screaming at each other, and putting hands in one another's faces. I knew who the other voice was before I could even really see her. Tanya. They were about to fight. I could tell there weren't going to be too many more words said. All I had on was my boxers. No shirt. No shoes. Some real Viking type shit. I still ran down the street when the swinging started. I grabbed Tanya since she was the smallest. Tanya and Lele yelled at each other as I carried Tanya off. I was sure that I was going to be the one Tanya was arguing with next. I know she saw Lele coming out of my house. She had to see it, that was just how my luck was set up. All bad. Tanya calmed down faster than I expected her to, once I got her inside of my house. She wasn't even cussing anymore. She just began pacing back and forth, and kind of mumbling under her breath. Whatever was on her mind, didn't seem like it had anything to do with the fight she was just in. Tanya kept doing that weird pacing back and forth shit for another 30 seconds or so, before she stopped, turned to me, and took a deep breath before finally speaking. I'm pregnant. Dash. Tanya never even saw Lele come out of my house. Well, at least, that's what she told me. Tanya said her and Lele were fighting over something that happened in school last year, or some shit. I don't freaking know. After I figured out their fight wasn't about me, or anything I did, I really stopped asking about the shit. Besides there was a much bigger issue me and Tanya desperately needed to talk about right now. According to Tanya, she got pregnant the very first time we had sex. That was almost 3 months ago. Tanya told me that she not only knew for certain that the baby was mine, sis also told me that I impregnated her at 9.49pm on Saturday September 12th. Tanya ain't know what the fuck she was talking about. The pregnant part though? Fortunately, or unfortunately. For two 15 year olds, Whichever way you choose to look at it, that part was 100% true. Things got a lot more complicated when I finally got to start school. It was practically Christmas break. I had been out of commission for a minute, but it felt good to be back in the mix of things. I like school, but I like staying home a hell of a lot more, I ain't even gonna lie. My excitement was all about seeing a few people I needed to see, more than anything else. The very first person I needed to see was Enrique. I had a baby on the way. I needed some coin. That little job I gave to Rike, I was going to need that back ASAP. Especially since the block was moving like a chic fillet ever since Hadija put that good product out there on the block. Speaking of Hadija, I hadn't seen her since the day she visited me in the hospital. She called me on the phone a few times, but no in-person visits. I wonder if Hadija still considered me her young John, or if there was somebody new? I never stopped to think about that. All I'd been thinking about was how jealous Hadija was going to be when she found out about Tanya being pregnant. I never thought about how I'd feel if Hadija had someone new. I was feeling it now though, and I didn't like this feeling, not one bit. I ain't see Enrique at school, but I did see JB, Vic Damone, and RDRR roaming the halls in between 2nd and 3rd period class. Everybody was glad to finally see me out and about. We kicked the shit for a minute or two, before Vic told me the real reason they had been waiting for me to get better. Shit fucked up on the block fam. You need to holla at your girl Hadija, and do it fast. I'm about two minutes off of Enrique's bitch ass, his weird ass homies too. This was news to me. De fuck you talking about? Vic shook his head before he gave me a suspicious look. You really been that far out of the loop? Yeah, I really was that far out of the loop. I had a lot of my own shit going on right now. The very last thing I was concerned about was the block. Enrique was good people. I was the one who brought him into the squad. Enrique is from across town, but he spends most of his time on our side of Broad Street. I met Enrique a few years ago when we played against each other over 15th and Susquehanna Avenue. He was a cool dude. A fight broke out after the game, and Enrique fought with me. He came around the way with me that night, and he's been around ever since. Like I said, I've only known Enrique to be a cool dude. Plus I used to go with his sister Sally Sal. She was my black Disney princess back in the day. Before a black Disney princess was even thought about being a real idea. That was before this Tanya, Hadija, Lele fiasco started. I knew and trusted Enrique. Point blank, period. Whatever Vic was talking about had to be some type of misunderstanding or something. I decided I was going to go straight to the top to get some answers. I needed to holla at Hadija. Sis had got her beeper number changed and all. I had to get in touch with Hadija like everyone else. Hope that she rides through the block today. I didn't even go home after school. I headed straight to the block. I immediately saw what Vic was talking about. I didn't know most of these jokers out here. This was our corner. I shed blood for this bitch. Why was these weird motherfuckers out here, and not my team? Before I reached the workers to ask a few questions, I heard a car making its way up the block. I say heard. Because the car wasn't close enough for me to make out what type it was, but I could clearly hear the car's stereo system. That bitch was banging too. One of those stereo systems that stops you in your tracks, because you need to see who the fuck is driving this car with this knockin' ass stereo system in it. I had been walking in the middle of the street on the little block. I stepped on the pavement as I waited to see who was in this car. As the car approached, I could see that it was something luxurious, foreign, or expensive. From the front of the car, I could see that this was not a Honda. Ford, or anything else people considered regular. Nah, this was some hot shit headed my way. I could finally see the color. That factory gray color that mercedes is Sport. The car slowed down as it approached me, then it stopped. My nigga Rere. Good to see you're finally up and about. It was Enrique. The person I was out here looking for. The passenger's side of the car rolled up on me. It was tinted. I never saw who was in the driver's seat because when Enrique jumped out the car, and closed the door behind him, his big ass head had blocked my view of the driver. Yeah, it feels good to be up and about. I responded like nothing here seemed suspicious at all. First of all, me and Enrique were cool. No more, no less. I put him on this gig because I thought he was a dude who had more experience in this type of thing than anyone on my team, not because we were old friends. Defuque was he dick-eating me for like we'd been best buds for years? overly friendly for no reason, type of motherfuckers always put me on high alert. Enrique had just put himself in that category, in my eyes. Before I could say anything, I heard the sound of Hadija's voice. My baby. I finally got to see who was in the driver's seat of this beautiful Benz in front of me. Hadija. I should've known. Sis was always pushing something nice. Hadija was out of the car, and hugging me tightly in two seconds flat. I couldn't help but to smile. Hadija smiled at me before she turned to Rike. Go see if that money ready for me babe. Babe? Why the fuck was she calling this nigga babe? What's up with that? I asked in what I felt was a calm like manner. Hadija looked at me like she had no idea what I was talking about. What's up with what? You calling Enrique babe? Do you think that's a proper question for a young john to ask his old head john? She was dead as serious. The look on her face didn't even look the same as it usually did. She was less innocent looking, and more comic book villain looking, all of a sudden. This was completely new to me. It kinda felt like she was talking down to me. Like I worked for her or some shit. I kinda did, but still. What? I asked, clearly confused by her sudden, man, I don't know what the fuck that was. Hadija didn't say anything. She turned around, walked to her car, and peeled off like she was in a drag race or some shit. This bitch done lost her damn mind. I said, mostly to myself as I continued to make my way down the block. I stopped when I reached Enrique and his homies. The dude he was talking to was face. I didn't know him personally, but I had heard of him. And everything I heard was all bad. Just like these other two weird niggas Pistol and Pete, that was out here with him. Pistol and Pete were two different people. Pete was a Puerto Rican bull. Pete was pretty much all right with me, but everyone knew not to trust him further than you can see him. Feel me? As for pistol, honestly, I have no idea when people started calling this nigga pistol. Boole was in my third grade class back in the day. Long story short, nigga shitted on himself one day. Last time I saw that nigga, all the kids were calling him shitty butts. But at some point nigga shortened that to butts. Last I knew, this pistol nigga was named shitty butts but now everybody calls him pistol. 'Cause I guess people think he's some type of killer or something. Yeah, fucking right. But anyway, Pistol and Pete hung out together so much that two people kind of shared one name. You know? Most people called both of them dudes Pistol Pete. Weird, right? So was every goddamn thing else in the hood. As I looked over Enrique's crew, I began to think that Vic may have been right. Enrique's whole little crew looked shady as fuck. I may have made a mistake by letting Enrique fill in for me temporarily. I hope this nigga knew it was temporary. Cause I, before I could finish my thought, I heard the sound of what I knew was Hadija's car, roaring up the block. Her car screeched to a halt as it stopped right next to where I was standing. Hadija rolled down the passenger's side window and glared at me. Get in the car. It was not a request. Just in case I wasn't sure, one of the guys in the black Lincoln town car, that was trailing Hadijah's car, stepped out of the rear passenger's side of the Lincoln and folded his hands in front of him as he stared at me. Mexican-looking bull. Not sure if he was Mexican. He could have been Dominican, Cuban, Colombian, or any other Latin ethnicity. At that age, everybody that spoke Spanish was Mexican or Puerto Rican, to me, and a lot of other folks in our neighborhood too. That was all we were raised around back then. Anyway, I wasn't sure what type of Spaniard he was, but I did know for a fact, that he was carrying a gun. A big one too. Bull made sure that I saw that shit. Me, Hadija, and the Puerto Rican guy, who I didn't discover was sitting in her back seat until I got in the car, rode in mostly silence. I say mostly because Hadija kept her music playing as we drove, and that shit had that car rockin' like a block party. We drove for a while. The last thing that I remember seeing that looked anything close to familiar or even recognizable was the Ben Franklin Bridge. I couldn't tell you where the hell I was if I had a gun to my head and the person holding it said he would shoot me if I didn't tell him where we were at. I didn't even really know my way all that well around Philly, let alone some foreign shit right next door, like New Jersey. We were driving for about an hour before we pulled into the driveway of the biggest house I'd ever seen in my life. This was some real television type shit here. The driveway was about the length of a fucking football field. It led up to a huge house, that looked like it was built a long time ago, but had been owned by people rich enough to upgrade the joint, but kind of keep the original look. Know what I'm saying? Old money type of mothfuckas. I began to wonder if I even knew the chick driving this car. Who the fuck, scratch that shit. Why the fuck did she even know where something like this was? I met Hadija at the supermarket on Germantown Avenue. In North Philly. Okay, I already knew Hadijah was getting some of her money and product from a few dudes she was messing with or whatever. But what the fuck was this? Who the fuck did Hadija know that had the type of money to live in some shit like this? a fucking castle I refused to believe it was one of those dumb ass niggas she was fucking for money and product so who the fuck did she know that lived like this my question was answered when we finally made it to the huge house hadija parked and jumped out of the car she ran over to this very suave looking 40 something year old gentleman my guess and hugged him tightly dad die. i watched the scene play out from my seat in the car hadija had transformed from some type of cold-blooded killer into a daddy's girl in the blink of an eye. It was some of the craziest shit I'd ever seen, up to this point. Chapter 5 Money, Power, and Respect Hadija introduced me to her father. She didn't say this is my friend Raymond, or this is my boyfriend. Hadija introduced me to her dad as plain old Ray. No explanation or anything. Her pops was clearly a busy man. Even in the little time we stood there, no less than 10 people came running up to him, asking him this and that. One other weird thing. Everybody around here called Hadijah's dad Padrino when they talked to him. Hadija told me his name was Gustavo, so I honestly couldn't understand why everyone was calling him Padrino. After talking to Gustavo, Hadijah told me she had a gift for me. She told me to follow her, so I did. I looked around the property as I followed Hadija to the back of the house. All I saw was land. As far as the eyes could see. Just green, land. I could now see what this place was. One big ass property. A ranch or compound type joint. No neighbors, no cops, no nothing out here. For miles. The companion from the car followed along. He walked behind me. Every single time I looked behind me I noticed that his hands were in the pocket of his hoodie, and his gun was not visible on his waist anymore. Was this motherfucker about to kill me? And had Hadija already told him that's why I was here? To be slaughtered. So many thoughts ran through my head as we walked for what felt like miles. Our destination finally became visible after five strong minutes of walking the land around the property. We were headed for a big-ass barn that was sitting out in the middle of nowhere. Strange. Very motherfucking strange. I, where we going? Enough was enough. I wasn't taking another step until I got some answers. I stopped walking so suddenly that bull walking behind, who I was 100% sure was packing heat, bumped into me. Hadija stopped and turned around to face me. You scared? Scared? Scared was definitely not a strong enough word for what I was feeling. I damn sure wasn't going to let Hadija know that shit though. If this was where I was going to die, I was going out fighting. Probably not though. But it sounded really good when I said it in my head. I ain't scared, but I would like to know where I'm going and why. I said with as much bass in my voice that I could muster, without that bitch cracking from fear. Hadija broke out into a huge devilish-looking grin before she spoke. I got a surprise for you. She said, with what I felt was genuine excitement. Hadija kissed me on the cheek, before she turned, and continued making her way toward the barn. Bull behind me gave me a look that said move now, so I did. Hadija fiddled with the lock on the barn as she inserted her key. She spoke in a loud voice as she filled the barn with light from the outside. Wake up little rabbit. Someone's here to see you. Hadija winked at me after she finished talking. This shit was very weird. I had no idea what was going on right now. As we walked to the back of the barn, the picture became a little more clear to me. Ice was sitting in a chair tied up. He looked like he'd been tortured. Like viciously tortured. Seeing Ice like this, and knowing Hadija did it, excuse me. Had it done to someone, surprised me, a little bit. Not as much as it should have though. I figured out a while ago that Hadija was lying about something, and now I was 100% sure I was right about Hadija. Hadija's whole rags to riches story about how she got started in the game, never added up to me. I mean, it sounded good, on some black widow type of shit, but Hadija always seemed too spoiled to have to work and build some shit from the ground up, by herself. Hadija wasn't an army brat, she was a drug kingpin brat. Sis came, complete with her own bodyguards, hit squad, and drug trafficking organization. She was a fucking drug dealing trust fund baby. Hadija ain't work for shit to climb to the top of the drug game. She was born at the top, thanks to her daddy. That menace, our corner, and everybody that worked that bitch, meant absolutely nothing to her. The little money she made from our spot was likely pocket change to her. Here. The sound of Hadijah's voice interrupted my daydream. She had a gun in her hand, and was requesting slash demanding that I take it. Honestly, I knew what it was the moment that I saw ice. This was a loyalty test, and she was using someone she knew should be easy for me to kill. That's true. I didn't like ice. I wanted to hurt Ice for what he did to my baby Tanya. But, could I really live with myself if I took a life? Fuck Ice, I'm just talking about the idea of taking a life, any life. Would your conscience ever become a problem? How would you sleep at night? Will you always replay taking a life every time you closed your eyes? None of these thoughts crossed my mind as I took the pistol from Hadijah's hands. Ice's mouth was gagged. He'd been sitting there relatively quiet until Hadija passed me the ratchet. I could hear muffled pleas coming from Ice's mouth, but it was the eyes for me. That was the bozy part that told the true story. Ice was begging for his life. I knew it, and he knew, I knew it. I raised the gun and aimed it directly at Ice. I remember putting my finger on the trigger. I heard a loud bang, then I saw Ice's brains on the wall. I never looked at Ice's body after the impact from the single gunshot to the head, knocked him out of the chair, and onto the floor. I remember Hadidjah's hitman carrying Ice's limp body out of the barn. I remember hearing the sound of the huge wood chipper I saw outside, being started up. This big-ass machine devours huge trees in seconds. I imagine Ice's dead body was going to be a replacement for a huge tree today. Most of all, I remember Hadijah's bodyguard taking the gun from my hands after I shot Ice. I remember that distinctly because he had a white cloth in his hand, that the gun never touched. Once the gun was carefully wrapped in the cloth, he passed the gun to Hadija, who looked at me and smiled. Dash. And just like that, Hadija owned me. I admit, I was a little slow and naive to this whole underworld thing, but I was smart enough to know when I'd been had. This was definitely one of those. I don't know if a murder weapon and no body was enough to convict a person of murder. Hell, I didn't even know what they did with Isa's dead body maybe they cut it up, maybe they didn't. I ain't see shit that happened outside of that barn, I just heard the sound of the huge wood chipper being started up, I pretty much assumed the rest. Like I said before, I didn't know. But, what I did know was that Hadija had that gun wrapped in a towel for a reason. That reason was to let me know she owned me. And she definitely planned on using that shit to her advantage. Meanwhile, me and Tanya managed to remain somewhat cool during her pregnancy. I mean, me and Tanya did what me and Tanya does best while she was pregnant. Argue. But, we managed not to stop speaking to one another this time. This was different. We were about to become a family soon. Tanya stopped going to school when she was about 6 months pregnant. Her mom, who wanted her to get an abortion badly, when she first found out that Tanya was pregnant, was now downright gleeful about the prospect of becoming a grandmother for the first time. I was always with Tanya at school. Holding hands and all of that other lame-ass shit. Everyone in the school knew we were about to have a child, and somehow, some way, that fact had managed to raise both of our popularity substantially. We became the new IT couple at school. In the eyes of our classmates, we had the perfect relationship. I believe young people today would have called our relationship goals. Whatever the fuck that shit means, weird ass youngins. Anywho, the truth was usually a lot different than what was being put out publicly. That was our case too. What our classmates didn't see was that me and Tanya's relationship was anything but goals. I mean, unless your goal was to be completely freaking miserable. From the moment Tanya got pregnant, this shit began to feel like marriage. The fun and excitement was gone. Now it was all about the future for Tanya. That was cool, it really was. But, when me and Tanya started having sex, we were doing it all the time, and everywhere. Outside, inside, at the park, at church, at a picnic. You name the place, and me and Tanya probably had sex there before. That was the good old days. Now, Tanya was responsible, planning for the future, and laser focused on accomplishing her goals. That shit was boring. I began starting arguments just for fuck's sake. Me and Tanya argued about practically everything, when we were alone and behind closed doors. Publicly, though, we were still like Beyonce and Jay Z. Tanya was getting on my nerves, but I remained faithful. For my soon to be family, More than anything else. When Tanya was about six months pregnant, she began rationing the pussy. Tanya was convinced that she wasn't going to have any walls if we kept having sex every day. I had no idea what the hell she was talking about, but sis was hinting at cutting down to once or twice a damn week. This was absolute bullshit. It was like telling a person who ate six or seven meals a day, for six months straight, that he was only going to be getting one meal for the foreseeable future. Nah, I had to cheat. Nah, that's not true. I wanted to cheat. It seemed like Tanya cared about all of this other shit more than me. I wasn't even sure that she really cared, kind of cared about me anymore. But, if there was one thing I knew about my baby Tanya, she was an only child, who never liked sharing her things with other people. She considered me one of her things. Or at least, she used to. I was out to find out if she still felt that way. Guess who I just happened to run into three days later at the Red Fox Deli on Germantown Avenue? Ms. Motherfuckin' Lala. Me and Sis definitely had some unfinished business to tend to. You feel me? Lele was looking good too. I walked into the deli a few seconds after Lele, and stood behind her in line. I tapped her on the shoulder, and smiled when she turned around to see who'd touched her. Hey, stranger. Long time no see. I said with, what I felt was genuine excitement. I really was happy to see her. It had been a while. Lele wasn't trying to hear none of that shit. She rolled her eyes at me, before she turned back around. Her attitude with me kind of caught me off guard, but it wasn't enough to get me to back off. Oh, it's like that huh? I said with a smile on my face. I heard Lele take a deep breath and sigh before she turned around to face me. Straight the fuck like that. There was no smile on her so she looked me dead in the eyes. She was dead as serious. Since when did me and Lele have beef? As far as I knew, we'd always been cool, plus I hit the cheeks before. Well, kind of. But, still, she should at least? Hell, I don't know. But, it shouldn't be this. Damn. what I do to you? I said the shit to the back of her head. I honestly was saying the shit to myself but, clearly, she'd heard me. Really? The anger in Lele's words were so forceful, that I instinctively took a step backward. Lele moved in closer. Her eyes looked like they were about to pop out of her head. You're asking what the fuck you did to me? She was yelling her ass off now. Everybody in the deli were staring at us. Not the sneaky kind of staring either. Motherfuckers and there was on some straight up staring at us on some I don't give e-fuckingly type shit. You know? Everybody standing around was watching a movie, and gave zero fucks at all about anyone thinking they were being nosy. I'd always hated being the center of attention, especially like this. Yo. You draw in right now, fam. I practically whispered, in hopes of diffusing this situation before it really blew up. Old girl was having none of it. Lele got even louder. D.A. Fuke? How I'm drawing, and you the dumbass that made me squirt in under a minute. I can't even close my fucking eyes without thinking about that shit. I hate you. Confused wasn't a strong enough word to describe what I was feeling as I stood there. The very worst part of it was that I had no idea what squirt meant. At this time, we didn't have access to as much porn as y'all currently do. Shit was all about VHS tapes in these days. Worst part, every porn I ever watched was about 20 hours long. 20. Who in fuck's name is watching that much porn? Anyway, long story short, I had no idea what squirt meant. That bothered me. What bothered me more, though, was that everyone else in the deli seemed to know what the shit meant. Before Lele said the word squirt, hers was the only voice you could hear in the place. The minute she said made me squirt, the deli sounded like someone had just hit a buzzer beater, against the home team. Shit was mad embarrassing from where I was standing. It got downright scary when Lele ran out of the deli crying. Now all the attention turned to me. Every single person in the deli was staring at me. Just me this time. Lele was gone. I didn't even order anything. I took the walk of shame out of the deli, while everyone in the place stared at me. Some even giggled. I was ashamed. Of what though? I stepped out of the store, walking down Germantown Avenue with my head down. I was deep in thought. I needed to figure out what squirt meant. Maybe that would explain why Lele got up and ran out of the room like that. I was deep in thought as I walked down the street, head down the whole time. As soon as I crossed Huntingdon Street, I walked directly into the lion's den. Those dirty ass niggas was standing in front of Mei Ling's Chinese store. I didn't call those weird ass niggas dirty. That was the name of their damn gang. Well, not exactly. This particular group of weirdos called themselves the Dirty Dozen. We called them the Dirty Niggas. But, still, they did not fuck with us, and we did not fuck with them. There had been kind of a peace treaty for a while. That shit was over now though. There was a 100% chance of bullshit in tonight's weather forecast, if I kept walking this way. You feel me? We'd had beef with these weird niggas since I could begin remembering anything. We were right in the middle of one of those 1,000-year wars with the Dirty Dozen. The shit seemed to never end. It wasn't always beef, but when it was on, it was on. The bull K from the projects got jumped around our way a couple days ago. People were always getting jumped by somebody, somewhere. And when it happened, everybody from that area was responsible, didn't matter if you participated in the shit, or wasn't even around when the shit happened. As far as the Dirty Dozen were concerned, there were no neutral or innocent people in anything when they were out for revenge. Everybody could get it. Anybody killers. You feel me? The dirty dozen were looking to beat the hell out of anybody from around our way, no matter who it was. Including my dumb, solo dolo, right now ass. Niggas was just waiting to catch us in small numbers somewhere away from home. Right about now, my number was about as small as numbers get, three. Me, myself, and I. It was three of these weird niggas too. Mug, herb, and that weird ass dayday nigga. Not dayday from around our way, but dayday from, you know what? Never mind. It's like 874 people in every hood named dayday. Ain't no way in hell you know who I'm talking about. Just pick a motherfucker you know named dayday, and that's who the hell I'm talking about. Anyway, like I was saying, shit was about to go down. The really fucked up thing about the dirty dozen, is that they were from everywhere. The projects, 10th street, 11th street, 13th Street, 16th Street, a few Diamond Street dudes, and a bunch of dudes from 12th Street. Basically, everything above 10th Street. Clearly these dumb niggas had no idea what a dozen meant. These dudes were at least 250-300 to deep, when they were at full capacity. That was a lot of damn people. No crew in the hood was even halfway as deep as the dirty dozen were. Germantown Avenue was neutral territory during regular times. During regular times, you might even get a pass if you get caught outnumbered on the avenue. These were not regular times, though. I was getting my ass whooped tonight, and I knew it. I probably deserved it, too. Facts. I was so deep in thought, wondering what squirt meant, that I had already walked into their line of vision. They definitely saw me. I knew better than to be walking around solo during a war. A war that we had absolutely nothing to do with, by the way. That shit didn't matter, though. I kept walking, fully expecting the worst but still hoping for the best. That hoping for the best attitude only lasted for like two or three more steps. Before I even reached where the three dirty-ass dudes were standing, somebody hit me from behind. I ain't even see this other dude laying in the cut. This was a damn ambush. A planned one too. These assholes must have been plotting on me since I was in the deli. But, why? I wasn't even anybody who was worth bragging about jumping. There was no upside in beating my ass out here. At least… Not any I could see. Maybe I was wrong, but I was really starting to feel like there was some other shit going on here. Some shit that didn't have anything to do with Little Ant from the projects, or the Dirty Dozen. Those jokers had me on the ground, stomping the hell out of me in a matter of seconds. This may sound like some movie type stuff, but I promise you, the shit I'm about to tell you 100% really happened. I should know, I was there, dickhead. As I shielded myself from the onslaught of Dirty Tim's landing on my head, out of the corner of my eye, I spotted a figure heading my way. I don't remember it being foggy that night, but the figure seemed to appear out of nowhere, and stepped out of the fog, like, like, like a superhero or some shit. The shit didn't feel real. As a matter of fact, at first I thought this was what people always saw when they were getting stomped half to death. I thought I was on my way to the upper room, fam. Feel me? I was beginning to black out, but before I did, I heard what I thought sounded like somebody hitting a home run. Like one of those Royd rage, Sammy Sosa slash Mark McGuire type joints. When I woke up and looked around, my assailant were laying on the ground napping also. In my humble opinion, these jokers were laying here sleeping on the cold ground a little bit too comfortably for my liking. These niggas looked, yeah, but anyway, listen man, I don't know what the fuck happened while I was knocked out, but the very next thing I remember seeing, was Lele, standing there holding a bloody, wooden baseball bat in her hand. Chapter 6 Fellas, there's a jealous girl in our town. Lele probably saved my life that night. That was the upside. The downside was that my assailants were dead. Of course, me and Lele fled the scene of the crime. Of course, we fled the scene together, and. You guessed it, of course, of course, this was an event that was going to create a lifelong bond between us. Just like Hadija having my fingerprints on that gun. And just like Tanya carrying my unborn child. We were all still just teenagers, but it was beginning to look like us four were going to be bonded for life. Part 2 Coming Soon. Check out http://www.yorkboundpublications.com for more books by Louis Leach 3 aka Karim Abdul Rahman and other Yorkbound Publications authors.